Um, turn with me to Genesis. Make it easy. It's the very front. Genesis means beginnings. Today, I want to continue talking about hunger. Last Sunday, I talked about hunger. And I'm, I'm going to say, um, I know I frequently say go back and, and listen or watch a message. But th- I'm going to say that this today with a little more emphasis simply because I got more feedback from our congregation about last week's message than any message I've probably ever preached. I've had more people come visit me or give me phone calls or pull me aside and, and, and it set a lot of hearts on fire. Not, not that people were like, I didn't like that. No, no, it wasn't that. It was people whose hearts were set on fire by God wants to do something among us. Jesus wants to be seen through us. And so if for some reason you missed last Sunday or you weren't here or weren't able to, you were in another of ministry or whatever it was, I'm going to ask of any message that I've ever asked to go back and listen to, please go back and listen to that one. Um, I believe it's something that's very important for us as a congregation, and I think it, it plays into where we're headed for Vision Sunday. Um, I, I even had other ministers calling me. I had a minister call me um, who had had a, a dream, which we'll talk about later, and the dream even fit into some of what some people were saying to me throughout the week, and there's still some of you who I haven't got with yet who had contacted me this last week and said, hey, I have something on my heart, and so things are happening. These are good things. It's good things. It, as a pastor, you're happy when people call you because of the word. And, and I mean, I'll answer the phone for anything. I'd rather you call me because you're interested about something I preach than like, oh, hey, I can't. Or, or hey, the vacuum doesn't work, right? I'll, I'll handle the vacuum thing. That's my job as a pastor, right? But I'd rather talk about the word of God, right? And so uh, this is where we've been this last week, and it's very encouraging. It's very encouraging. Um, today, I want to talk about hunger for God, part two. But I want to talk about fasting because we, we, are, um, we are entering in a 21-day fast as a church starting today, going uh, through the rest of this month. And, um, and hey, babe, would you mind getting me a bottle of water? Thank you. Um, so I want to talk about that. Um, trying to decide where I want to start and all this. We live in a very uh, hedonistic world. And if you don't know what that word means, let me say, we live in a world that's all about self-gratification. Not just self-gratification, but instant gratification. And we talked about some of that uh, last week. Uh, We really, really like to do things that make us feel good. It's this pleasure principle. I really want to feel good, and I want to feel good about me. And what I find is in a society which is some reason more and more and more about making me feel good, we're, we're less and less satisfied with who we are as individuals. We, we have more depression. We have more things that just tear at our hearts. It, I think it's funny. Um, when you go into Walmart and you're there checking out, they have the magazines there. And they have the magazines of all the people who are way hotter than any of us, you know, like with, with like the six-pack abs and the ripped bodies and just the, the perfect complexion, right, the best outfits. And, and you look at them, you're like, oh, my gosh, like who could ever look like that? I mean, not realizing that these people, like a lot of what you're seeing on that magazine cover is Photoshopped, Right. And this is what they hold up as this great standard of who we should be as people. And then right next to it are like the food magazines, like cheesecake recipes and things like that. And I'm looking at these, too. I'm like, how are these, like, look like this, but eat this? Like, what, what is going on in our society? It's all about pleasure of me. Like, like I, I don't think you can look like that by eating those things. We, we live in a society where we compare our bodies 
to things we see other places, like on movies, which is interesting. I, I've yet to see a superhero movie where they um, just make the superhero just look like a regular person. I mean, they made Thor fat once, but that was supposed to be a joke, right? They're making fun of us. They're making fun of us is what they're doing. The magazines, the Instagrams, the TikToks, these are things our kids are looking at. And we say, well, the, we get it, it's not who, but, but this becomes our identity of what we want to be like. Also not taking into account that the older we get, the harder it is to continue to look like that. Thank you, sweetheart. And in a way, our, our, our body becomes our, our master, and then it becomes unhealthy to the point where like people will struggle with eating disorders and and young girls in an attempt to look like these ladies will do things to their bodies to make them look better and no one can ever measure up to these things and and it it's something the enemy uses to really attack our hearts he uses our bodies to attack our hearts Doing what feels good in the moment is what leads to a lot of bad stuff. That's a really highly theological statement right there. Doing what feels good in the moment leads to a lot of bad stuff. That's why Americans are in debt. I was with a friend once. We went to look at guns just because he said, I want to go look at guns. And while we were there, he called his wife and said, hey, can I use the credit card to buy a gun? I was like, we don't need this gun. Like, I do need this gun. Instant gratification. He just liked the gun. I was like, why this one? He was like, I don't know. I just, it speaks to me. What's that? I'm all about a nice gun, but what's that? How many guns do you have? Well, I have six. Okay. I guess seven's the holy number, right? There you go. Yeah, right? Seven's too low. Okay. We have a lot of gun guys in our church, so. Um, we go into debt to try to keep up. It's instant gratification. Divorce. Because we want to have pleasure in the moment. Addiction. We talked about the phones. You know what's interesting is go into your settings, go to screen time. And then click one more in to your daily reports. And it'll actually show you how many times you've picked up your phone in a day. So I looked at mine this morning over the last two weeks. And my lowest day of pickups, the number of times I picked up my phone and looked at it, my lowest number was 57 in one day. I was like, 57 times I picked up my phone to check something or look at it. And I'd, I'd encourage you to look at yours. Let's not just all hate on Pastor Drew here. I mean... Pull out your phone, go to settings, go to screen time, but then you have to go one more click. There's one more thing because they don't want you to actually see that number. My highest was 127. 127 times I picked up my phone one day. I'm ashamed of that. Like, that's not like, hey, look how great. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 7, it says this. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Now, we're talking about fasting today. Why are we starting in Genesis? Well, I want to point out to you that this word, it says, The Lord God formed man. This word man is Hadam. It's where we get the word Adam, right? And it really means humans. It just doesn't mean men. We're seeing humans. He made humans from dust. So what are we? We're dust. We're dust. We're formed from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Like this breathing in is the spirit of God being breathed inside of us. Another place in the scripture... It's called the Ruach, right? The breath of God. 
And so what are we? We are dust and we are breath. What are we? We are body and we are spirit. Other places in Scripture calls us spirit and soul and body. And we really are, our body really is part of who we are. Now, you really are the spirit inside of you, but, but your body affects everything. To pretend that your body isn't part of who you are is, that's crazy. Because your body affects a lot of the way you feel, the things you do, the way you react. So when we talk about fasting... In a real way, fasting is like praying with your body. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Flip over to chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other of the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the servant said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we know the rest of the story. She takes it and eats it. I, I've, I've never heard this, but maybe once in all the years preaching, it's interesting to me that the first sin had to do with food. Now, the first sin wasn't food. Like, is there something morally wrong by just eating a fruit? No. I mean, oh, I had an apple or a banana or whatever it was that she ate. There's nothing morally wrong in and of itself being the fruit. What was the problem with her eating the fruit? It wasn't that she was eating something or, or that it was a fruit. It was the fact that God said, don't. Don't. The sin here was she wanted to re redefine good and evil based around her own opinion. And that's still what we do today. We want to redefine good and evil based on our own opinion. Well, I'll tell you what I think is good. And I'll tell you what I think is evil. And we ignore God's righteous standard. And we, we have this, this lie we believe. We, this lie we believe in society. It says, well, God wants me to be happy. Even in the Christian church. Sometimes we believe, that, well, God wants me to be happy. I, sure, but that's not his primary. Like, sometimes you're going to go through suffering. Sometimes to be obedient to God, you have to go through difficult things. I think it's interesting here because in Genesis, it tells us that man had dominion. And there's, like we see in the Genesis creation, we see man, we see the animal kingdom, we see the plant kingdom, and man has dominion, right? The garden's his, the animals he's to rule over. And then what happens? A snake, an animal comes and tempts with a fruit. And now man has become dominated by creation rather than exercising the dominion they were given over the creation. Do you understand that? And that's still what we see today with our bodies. We are called to have dominion over creation. And what do we do? We choose to worship the created rather than the creator and it has dominion over us. Go to Matthew chapter 4. This is the same story. Matthew chapter 3 was about how Adam faced the tempter and failed. Most theologians agree that this story in Matthew chapter 4 is a parallel to that story we just saw. It's the new Adam. It's a... It's Satan coming again to tempt the new Adam. And what he says, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And I want you to notice that Jesus was led by the Spirit into, into bounty, into plenty. No, into where? The wilderness. Into the wilderness. Sometimes God will lead you into places that seem dry and desolate and difficult. 
to do what? To be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, hey, <laughs> it's biblical truth there. I'm, I'm hungry and I had breakfast. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, why did Satan do that? Because gluten is really bad. It's evil. For some of you are like, yes. It's the carbs. It's the carbs for me. Um, but Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every mouth that comes from, or excuse me, by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I mean, we read this verse out of Deuteronomy last week. This is a reversal of what we see Adam doing in the garden. Where Adam gave in to the desires of his flesh, Jesus said, wait a minute, What's more important than my flesh is obedience to the Word of God. And you know what's crazy? We see this when Jesus, we've read it in, in John chapter 4, where Jesus is sitting at the well, and the disciples have gone into town to get some chicken, and Jesus is sitting there, and the woman comes, and she tries to offer him water, and he's like, actually, I have something, and you'll never thirst again. And then the disciples come back into town and say, hey, we have the food, we have the KFC here. Right, cricket? Good stuff. All right. Uh, I've got the KFC, and Jesus is like, yeah, actually, I have food that you don't know of. And they're like, who brought him food? Who was it? I'll tell you this morning, part of fasting is to help you realize there's food you don't know. We are going to be going into 21 days of Daniel's fast. But let me tell you, Daniel's fast, maybe the word fast isn't completely right for it. It's more of a, a Daniel's abstaining. We're just abstaining from some things. We're, we're abstaining from meats and sweets for the month, the rest of the month, right? But to fast is to like go without food. When Jesus went to the desert to fast, he went without food for 40 days. Can I tell you that throughout history, Christian leaders have fasted. It's only in modern church. Like, if you go and you, you tell someone, yeah, our church is fasting, they might be like, are you guys a cult? <laughs> We're all going to fast together now. That sounds kind of creepy and weird. How, how strange it is that today fasting is not normal, but throughout history, it has been. You know what Jesus said in Matthew? We're over in Matthew. Let's flip over a couple pages. We, we studied this uh, a year and a half ago. Jesus makes three statements. He says, when you give to the needy in Matthew 6. Not if, but when you give to the needy. He says, when you pray, not if you pray. And listen to this. In verse 16, he says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, say when, not if, but when you fast, anoint your head with oil, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I love this because this helps us know a couple things about Jesus' thoughts about fasting. First of all, he expected his disciples to fast. And what we know as a church who believes in a disciple-making culture, right? We believe we're not just churchgoers, but we're actually disciples who make disciples. That means in my D group, I should be encouraging those who I disciple to fast because Jesus encouraged his disciples to fast. So it was something expected by Jesus. But I also love this. If you read this passage, you know Jesus also understood they were going to mess it up. Right? That's why he said, when you fast, don't do it like this. And some of you are going to, you're going to mess this up. But Jesus has enough grace to say, listen, you're going to mess it up. 
let me tell you how not to mess it up. And, and yet we still do sometimes. We still need that grace, don't we, today? Anybody need grace this morning? You're in the right place. He said, when you fast. Um, early Christian leaders, um, I, I found this. I've told a few of you about this, which has been fun. Um, early Christian leaders, we're talking about second century. Um, when the Pharisees and all these guys, some of them were still kind of hanging around on the fringes of the Jewish religion. religion. Um, they said, do not fast. They, they would fast twice a week. Twice a week. But they made this statement. They said, do not fast on Monday and Thursday like the hypocrites do. He's talking about these Jewish religious leaders. He said, instead, fast on Wednesday and Friday. So in the early church... They, wouldn't, they still fasted twice a week like the Jewish leaders, but we don't want to be like those hypocrites. So we're going to switch it from Monday and Thursday to Wednesday and Friday. Like that makes some sort of difference to God. But they didn't want to look like the hypocrites, right? Um, in, in 388 AD, so now we're talking about 350 years after Jesus has risen from the dead, um, in the, in the apostolic canon, which it wasn't something that shot at each other, by the way, um, they wrote this statement. If any clergy be found fasting on the Lord's day, let him be deprived from office. If a layman is found fasting on the Lord's day, let him be excommunicated. What does this mean? In the early church, they were fasting so much, they had to make a rule to stop fasting on Saturday and Sunday. Why? Because Saturday was a day of feasting, and Sunday was a day of rest. So don't fast on those days. So they actually had to make rules for people to stop fasting on Saturday and Sunday. Think about that. Do we need to make some rules today in our churches? Hey, you guys are fasting too much, so let's make some rules on which days you cannot fast. It's not happening, is it? John Wesley... um, the founder of the, the Methodist Church, and he had a lot of great things that he did. Um, some things that people disagree with, but a lot of great things. His heart was for Jesus. He said this, I fear that there are now thousands of Methodists, so-called, you know, that's kind of passive-aggressive right there, thousands of Methodists, so-called, both in England and Ireland, who following some bad example have entirely left off fasting who are so far off from fasting twice a week, they do not twice, or they do not fast even twice in the month. I think John Wesley's kind of mean, don't you? He goes on to say, the man who never fasts is, and by the way, he, he wasn't just talking to men, but he, the man who never fasts I guess, I don't know, maybe you ladies are off the hook. You don't, you don't have to fast. Um, the man who never fasts is in no more the way of heaven than the man who never prays. Now, that one hit me pretty hard. Because in the same passage where Jesus teaches us to pray, he teaches us to fast. Now, don't feel bad this morning. My goal isn't to just... To condemnation on you my goal this morning is to call you to a higher place in the way that Jesus lived so if you're feeling this morning like man I stink we'll look around the room we all stink with you grace is the message this morning grace and and you're gonna have the opportunity to fast real soon real soon um I wanted to read another thing. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Some of you are very familiar with Galatians chapter 5. It's on page 1562. Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to read a bit here if you don't mind. It says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Amen? Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 
Look, I, Paul, I, I say to you, um, well, I'm going to skip down. Let me skip down to uh, verse 13. For if you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. And I want you to notice that what Paul's going to do here is he's going to compare living according to the flesh versus living according to the spirit. Remember, we are dust and breath. We are flesh and spirit, right? But flesh, what we're going to see here, flesh isn't just our body. Flesh are the things, the desires of the world that pull at us, right? In, in the Greek, it's, it's sarks is the, the word, but it says this. It says, for the whole law fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Everyone, anyone ever feel that? My flesh keeps me from doing the things I want to do. I want to get up in the morning and pray. But goodness, this bed's comfy and warm in the winter, right? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, Jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's a catch-all for lots of other stuff too. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What is he saying here? Here's the thing. Jesus came, lived a sinless life, right? And then died on the cross. He died on the cross, was buried, and on the third day rose again victorious. And what I love is the scripture says in three different places, it says in one place that God raised him from the dead. Another place it says that the Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And another place it says Jesus raised himself from the dead. So who raised him from the dead? Yes. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus is alive right now. And this is the kind of imagery that Jesus, the sinless one, who had no reason to die, died this brutal death by crucifixion, which was a bloody, gory, painful death, which, which it wasn't just death. It was death by this imposing um, empire that had come to bring shame on those people, to bring shame on the Jewish people. It was a shameful death. And here, Paul is telling us that those who belong to Jesus Christ have put a shameful death to the flesh with its passions and desires. When we look at this passage, it's all about flesh versus spirit. The, the, the desires of the flesh are these disordered desires. It's the things I want. It's that instant gratification. It's that pleasure principle I was talking about earlier. What makes me feel good? This is not really an exciting sermon, is it? So I'm talking about fasting. Can I tell you it's the desires that are rebellious against God? We live in a culture that says, well, you don't tell me. We're individualistic. That's the flesh. It believes lies. It's infected. It's infected by the spirit of sin, by a spirit of lies. Can I tell you in, in the... In the final days, did you know your flesh, it won't make it through? The desires of the flesh won't make it through. Versus 
life by the Spirit, can I tell you, it's not, it's not your disordered desires. Life according to the Spirit, it's your deepest desires. That in every human, there's this deep desire to know the unknowable. There's a, there's a, there's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man. It's someone who wants contact with God. And what we have today is sitting in this room is a mixed bag. And each one of you are a mixed bag of flesh and spirit. And it's like Paul says, I, man, there's, there's things I don't want to do, but I do them anyway. And I, I don't do the things I know I ought to do, but I do the things I know I'm not ought to do. And it's, you read this just tension. We're all a mixed bag. We're all a mixed bag. The difference is, in the world, you know what the world says is freedom? Getting to do whatever you want. Pleasuring yourself. Whatever that is. The world says that's freedom. You do what makes you feel good. That's freedom. That pleasure. However, the kingdom of God is upside down of that, right? And it's saying it's not you doing what makes you feel good. It's saying dying to yourself, that's actually freedom. What you actually have now is slavery to your fleshly desires. Jesus says, take up your cross. Paul says, crucify your flesh. So what does fasting do? Richard Foster, he's a writer of many things discipleship related. He says this, fasting reveals the things that controls us. Fasting reveals the things that control us. If pride controls us, it will be revealed almost immediately. Anger, bitterness, jealousy, strife, if they are within us, will surface during fasting. And, and man, this is where I highly encouraging highly encouraging fasting meals completely and, and i've asked the church a couple of times now if you would fast me on tuesdays fast breakfast and lunch in 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 the jewish tradition they would fast from sundown to sundown so you could just eat a meal before the sun went down and eat another meal the next day after the sun went down you know again so how would we do that today just fast breakfast and lunch i guarantee you're going to be hungry by dinner what happens when you're hungry some used a different word. You become hangry, right? What is that? That's your flesh rearing its ugly head and saying, but what about me, right? And then you let everyone around you know that your flesh isn't happy. I told you to get off of that. Why are you still on that phone? If I have to tell you one more time, Honey, why aren't these dishes done? Like, that's our flesh. Why? Because we're hangry. It's our flesh rising up within us. Another Christian writer says, the discipline teaches us a lot about ourselves very quickly. It will certainly prove humiliating to us as it reveals how much our peace depends on the pleasures of eating. That hurts. It may also bring to mind how we are using food pleasure to distract us from the discomforts caused in our bodies by faithless and unwise attitudes. If nothing else, it will certainly demonstrate how powerful and clever our body is in getting its own way against our strongest resolves. And that's the thing, right? It's our body demanding to be satisfied. And that's what pulls us to sin so many times. Our body demanding to be satisfied. That's why pornography is so rampant. Statistics tells that 8 in 10 men, and the statistic is no difference between men who go to church and men who don't. 8 in 10 men have looked at porn in the last week. 8 in 10. That's tough. Why? Because the flesh 
It's pulling on you. So you think, well, if I have enough willpower, I can, I can stop. Listen, your willpower versus porn, porn will win. Your willpower versus food, food will win. Maybe not at first, but eventually it will win. Your willpower versus gossip, gossip will win. Every time. Can I tell you, as Christians, we are not called to have enough willpower to defeat sin. But when we fast, we realize, just like Jesus, our food doesn't come from us or our willpower. It comes from the Holy Spirit power connected to us from something beyond us. So it's not my willpower versus anything. It's me being powered by the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, I am able to overcome sin. It's not me overcoming sin. It's Jesus' death and resurrection being manifested through my body that helps me overcome sin. And what does fasting do? Fasting makes us feel like we're dying. It makes us feel like we're weak. It makes us realize our dependence on the Holy Spirit. And through that dependence on the Holy Spirit, then we realize, wait a minute, it's only through the Lord that I can stand against sin. Because we all were there. We all remember our life before Christ. We failed miserably at standing against sin. I want to go to one more thing before I, I close today. Uh, I want us to turn to Jeremiah 29. While you're doing that, I want to tell you a few things. First of all, fasting is not a diet. Even Daniel's fast. Fasting is not a way to manipulate God to get you to do, to get him to do what you need done. It's not fasting. And you say, well, Pastor Drew, I thought we were supposed to fast in secret, and you're calling the whole church to fast together. That's because in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see examples of groups and communities of Jesus followers fasting together for a collective purpose. So we're following a pattern of the Word of God. Fasting is prayer. I talked about it a little bit ago. How is fasting prayer? When we fast, it can be prayer in that. This is in, in the Bible. When we see people fasting, we see them fasting. I'm going to give you five reasons. If you're, writing, if you're taking notes, write these five reasons down. And I'd call each one of these five things prayer. Repenting. We see people fast to repent. I would call that prayer. We see people fasting when they're grieving. We see people fasting when they're crying out during a crisis. We see people fasting when they're trying to change God's mind about something. And then last, we see people fasting when they want to know God's mind about something. And I would say, during this 21-day fast, I would say a little bit of all of those is what we're doing. We're repenting for walking in sinful ways. We're grieving for a nation that even, even through a pandemic did not turn itself to God. I would say we're crying out in a crisis because we have loved ones that don't know Him. We have a nation that doesn't know Him. To change God's mind, I, I believe that, that God will judge us harshly if we do not turn to Him. But more than anything, I, I believe we want to know God's mind. And when I say us, I mean us as a nation. But we can change His mind through prayer and fasting. In, in Jeremiah 29, 11, 
The Lord says this, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me. And that first part we see a lot. We see that like on those pretty posters in the bathroom while you go in the restroom. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. It's cute. It's also completely out of context. He goes on to say, then you will call on me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And can I say that's one thing about fasting. It keeps us from being half-hearted. What was the context of the scripture? If you go back to the top of the chapter, he's writing this to the exiles from Jerusalem to Babylon. These are people living in exile, away from where they should be, away from the promised land of God. And what does God say to them? Hey, don't worry. I'm going to rescue. Nope. He says, you're in exile. Settle down. Get ready. Buckle up. You're going to be there for a while. Well, wait, this is a bad place, God. Yep, and you're going to stay there for a hot minute, 70 years. I want you to build houses. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to get married. Wait a minute. It's not fair. This is a bad place. But I see in this scripture, it says, then you will call on me. When? Then. Like, even in your darkest moment even in the worst place like God knows his plans that he has for you then you will seek me and you'll find me when you search for me for all your heart and I can tell you far too long I've been half-hearted when I have for years I just never fasted and when I picked up the practice again what I found was I was hungry. And a couple things happen when you're hungry. First, you think, I want food. This is really good teaching right here. You think, I want food. Some of you right now are like, it's 12.15. Some of you are like, it's 12.15? I just got hungry when you said that. You think, I want food. The second thing you think is, when will this be over? Can I say both those statements are about you? And neither one of those statements reflect the heart of why we fast. See, what we do is when we say, you know, I'm hungry, then our heart should say, what I need, what I need is the living bread. And maybe that, that little pang of hunger reminds us to pray for someone. Or to get in the Word again. Or to humble ourselves. When we start to feel hangry and lash out and say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is all about me. How can I serve you? And I can tell you, it's, it really becomes both. When you're feeling that weak from hunger, you either get really mad at everyone and insist on in your own way, or you really become humble and able to serve the people around you. There really is no middle ground because of the way you feel. And the second was, when will this be over? This is a 21-day Daniel's fast. And I know, about three or four days in, we're all going to be like, when is this going to be over? Some of you contacted me yesterday, like, hey, want to go wanna get some food for one last hurrah? It's good. Fat Tuesday. When will this be over? But that's about you, right? Instead of saying, well, when will this be over? We say, Lord, I, I know people who need you more than I need food, more than I need meat. During, during this 21 days of fasting, I, I'm going to also encourage you to abstain from other things from other things that 
that are distracting you, other things that are feeding your flesh. And those are things that only are between you and the Lord. And for one person, it might not be an issue in their life at all, but the person next to them, it might be a great hindrance. And, and you're going to have to decide what that is for you. Uh, the Lord's put two or three things on my heart, and I'm like, no! My flesh is dying. But we, we realize that the more our flesh dies, the more we're like Jesus. Right? The more we're like Jesus. Now, there's just some grace on this moment. Like, we're not going to be a church who judges one another because maybe, maybe your fast looks different than someone else's. Like, well, wait a minute. I, I have these medical issues going on. Okay then there's grace for that, right? Uh, you, you should definitely talk to a doctor before you, some of you before you fast if you have different medical issues going on. Um, and if the person next to you's fast doesn't look like yours, that's okay. I, I know in my household, we're not letting our kids stop eating meat right now just because they're growing girls. Um, but they were all about stopping sweets, at least... In spirit they were, right? Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, but it's not about comparing. It's about your pursuit for Christ. And can I tell you, we live in a time where the enemy truly does, I, I started with this, he truly does want to steal, kill, and destroy. But God really does want to bring life and life more abundantly, and he wants to use us to do that. And the more dead we are to ourselves, the more we become aware of the people around us to impart the gift of life of the Spirit to them. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells inside of me. So when I walk into a room, that Spirit's carried by me to those around me. And I'll tell you that the hungrier I am, the more I'm aware of the Spirit of God inside me rather than my flesh. I'm also very aware of my flesh, don't get me wrong. But I tell my flesh to shut up and let Jesus be glorified. Is it hard? Yes. People have told me, well, I can't fast because I get hungry. Yes, you can. You can. And, and, and just, just, just do a breakfast and a lunch. Just make it easier on yourself. Just make yourself weak. Make yourself vulnerable. Get into the Word. When you usually be eating a meal, get into the Word. Pray for someone. Go find someone and tell them about Jesus. The goal of this isn't to prove that we're spiritual. The goal of this is to die to ourselves so that Jesus may be more glorified through us. Will you stand with me? Some of you are thinking, is he going to preach through lunch and force us to fast? Maybe. In Joel chapter 2, God has, has put judgment on His people. And if you read the beginning parts of Joel, it's bad. Fires and earthquakes and... It, it's all the bad language. It's awful. And in verse 12, there's the shift in the language. It says, Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts. Tear your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. And who knows whether He will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind. And then it goes on to respond in that way. And, and, 
There's so much in this passage that we could get into, but for the sake of time, we won't. But what we find at the end of the chapter is that the Lord does end up having pity on his people. He ends up having mercy on them. So last week I, I kind of opened with a, hey, I, I screwed up. I repent. I, I didn't fully lead us in all the areas we needed to go into last year. But can I tell you, I know we did some things really well last year. You know one thing we did really well? We discipled people really well last year. And we have a church that's in the Word more than any congregation I've ever been a part of. What it makes me encourage is whatever we focus on as a congregation, we get really good at. Think about that. Whatever we, we focused on discipleship, guess what we got really good at? Discipleship. So I know this year, if we say, you know what? We need to reach the lost. Guess what I know? I'm confident we'll become really good at. Reaching the lost. And you know what? We have a, a foundation of disciples to do it. Because we spent the last year or two really good and good at that. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And God, we are going to need your grace over the next 21 days. God, we are a people who are humbled that you will use us. And Lord, I pray that over the next 21 days as we fast, some of us doing total, total food fasts and many of us fasting meats and sweets. And some of us fasting from other things, abstaining from other things that we know are just distracting us from you. God, I pray that as we, as we die to ourselves, that we carry within us the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to minister the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. Lord, I pray that you'd help us quickly become aware of what we're feeling and why we're feeling it. And Lord God, we'll be able to minister grace to those with humility as we're fasting.